0: Good morning for Oaks Church. It's Monday, September 18th. Pastor Paul, so glad to be back with you. I've been out just um, really sick, (laughs) but by God's grace, I'm back here on a Monday morning and I declare it the official start of the fall season. Now, How do I do that? How do I know this? Well, well, technically, of course, the fall equinox is in in two days, but that's not how I know. I know number one, because I got up this morning and it's less than 70 degrees. So 69, 68 degrees, feel the cool breeze. That's one reason I know it's fall. But the second reason, of course, is that Tennessee lost to Florida in the swamp. And that's just a biannual tradition that inaugurates the fall season. But we won last year and we got them in Knoxville next year. But again, this is how I mark time during the season. But hey, that's not why we're here. We are here to jump into this round of our pastoral devotionals. If you're new to these, we take an opportunity to walk through the scripture text that we're going to be looking at that upcoming Sunday and sort of dissect it, um, analyze it, interpret it together. One, so that you can not just receive theological biblical information, but also, of course, that you can be able to apply and study and understand the word of God for yourself. And so we are in Matthew 10 this morning. And I wanna I wanna start um, today's devotional by just by just mentioning two keys for biblical interpretation that we've mentioned before, but I think are particularly relevant for Matthew chapter 10. Number one, I always said you, you need to, to kind of understand what comes or see what comes before the passage you're gonna be studying what comes after. Because after all, Matthew did not write this um, in chapter verse divisions. He wrote it as one long narrative. And so for him, there is a cohesiveness to the story. We need to understand that cohesiveness as well, which leads to our second exegetical lesson of the morning. Although Matthew wrote it all at one time, we can't study it in a sense all at one time. You can imagine the, the original listeners hearing this whole biography of Jesus read on a sitting, but then going back and reading it over and over again, which is kind of what we're doing. And so so discerning how to divide up a passage can be tricky sometimes because we're committed to preaching through, of course, the, the, the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Um, but again, those are sort of man-made distinctions in a lot of ways. And so we have to make decisions how to, how to divide what, what theologians call the pericope, meaning the, the, the parameters of a, of a sermon or passage. So, to say all that to say, Matthew 10 is a long chapter, but it's actually one big unit. And it's really does disservice to the passage to try to uh, arbitrarily divide it, although you can, and it's fine, but, but in my mind, it flows better all together. But because it's a long chapter, we're not going to read the entire chapter every single time we're together. We're going to read it chunk by chunk, and during those each day of the devotional, we'll look at that particular chunk, if I can if I can describe it that way. So first of all, let's look at Matthew 9, what comes before this passage, 937. And Pastor Joe Donaldson preached on this Sunday, did a great job. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So pray that God will send his messengers, his people on mission to serve others, to proclaim the name of Christ. And then here we have chapter 10, and here we see that prayer being answered. We see Um, the outworkings, the initial outworkings of this prayer of Jesus as he sends out the 12, uh, the 12 disciples. So let's read this, read these first four verses together. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. So the first thing we want to make note of here is that Jesus refers to these initial 12 disciples by two different terms, okay? Okay. The first one um, is he calls them his disciples. In other words, those who walk alongside their master, who are under their rabbi, who are learning and growing and emulating what Jesus does. That's, That's the nature of the word disciple. However, in verse two, he calls them the 12 apostles. Now, the word apostle means messenger or sent one, and that's, a, that's a different than a disciple because an apostle is one who speaks on behalf of the one who sends him, and what we find in the scriptures is that there is a sense in which all of us are apostles, little a. However, meaning we're all sent. We're all representative of Christ. We're all ambassadors. However, the word Apostle, capital A, is applied to only a select group of people, those whom Jesus officially commissioned to go take his mission forward, to lead the church, to speak with authority, to teach with authority, to speak on his behalf once he has ascended into heaven. And these are apostles who are who are acting on behalf of Jesus, okay? And so then he names these apostles. Now now here's what's important to remember. Remember that when Matthew is writing this, it's 30 years later. It's after Jesus has ascended into heaven. And these he uses this word apostle Matthew does because He's communicating the nature of the relationship between the 12 original disciples and then their ongoing ministry as apostles once Jesus has ascended back into heaven, and he um, then proceeds to name them. However, um, he makes a note that of these 12 apostles, one is not really an apostle, okay? He was a disciple, and when the crucial time came for him to follow the Lord or betray, Judas Iscariot betrayed him. And by this time, everyone knows the story of Judas. If you're reading, uh, if you're in the early church, you know that he was apostate. He turned away. He fell away. He betrayed Jesus, um, did not seek repentance with, with tears, but was, had a worldly sorrow, hung himself, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. So obviously, Judas is not an ongoing apostle. And all of this would have been relevant for the early church because they would have wanted to have known, how do we know what Jesus would have wanted us to do? How do we know his direction, authority? How is that exercised? What what, what is truth? What is orthodoxy? What is the right interpretation of the, of the Old Testament scriptures? Who has authority to give direction to the New Testament church in an ongoing way? And the early church's answer to that decisively was apostolic authority. And, and here's is, here is what we mean by that, okay? And here's what distinguishes an apostle, little a, to an apostle, capital A, Okay. We're all apostles, and we're, we're messengers, we're sent ones, but uh, apostle capital A, and there seems to be probably two to three criteria um, that we deduce from the New Testament that applies to apostles. Number one, they were with Jesus in His ministry. Number number one, um, remember in Acts when they were they are trying to decide who who should filled Judas' slot, and they said, someone who has been with us from the beginning in Jesus' ministry. And so they drew lots. It was Matthias. It's a whole different story. But the number one is that this person lived, ministered, and was a part of or connected to Jesus' entourage in some way. Number two, that this person or these people were specifically commissioned by Jesus himself to go and lead the church, and of course, we're going to find this in Matthew 28. When we get there, eight, 10 years from now, we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna find that Jesus gave unique, special authority to the apostles to go baptize, teach, make disciples of all the nations, and then thirdly, that that these men were in fact witnesses to the resurrection, and um, that that they are ones who can attest firsthand that they have seen the risen Christ. Now, clearly these 11 minus 12 minus Judas, these 11 were apostles fit all those criteria. Uh, Matthias, who was in Acts two, he fit those criteria. And then ultimately Paul fit that criteria, right? Although he wasn't with Jesus in his ministry, he, what the arisen Christ did appear to Paul did officially commission him and anoint him. And so Paul's a unique case. Now there's a couple other men that we, you know, there's sort of this idea, were they apostles, were they not? Um, James, the, the brother of Jesus, who was the leader of the New Testament church, seems to have exercised a great deal of authority, even kind of apostolic authority. We have um, people like Jude, also a half-brother of, of Jesus. Uh, think about Mark and Luke. Although they weren't apostles per se, they were close companions of apostles. That's why we receive, um, for example, Luke's gospel, Acts, why we see Mark's gospel, because they were close companions, Peter, Mark of Peter, and Luke, of course, of Paul. All of that to say. Is that what Matthew is signaling to us? Is that there is an ongoing rule and authority given to apostles to lead the church as they are acting on behalf of Jesus? Now, the point, now, the practical point, okay, that we're going to be unpacking this week is what do apostles do? And as we're going to see, as Jesus sends them out as part of his earthly ministry, He's giving them instructions and he's telling them what they're to do and how they're to to comport themselves. And he's doing that not just for the sake of them ministering during his earthly ministry, sit laborers into the harvest, but they can look back on this text, this discourse that Jesus gives them and take cues as to the nature of their ongoing apostolic ministry. So as Jesus read chapter 10, We're going to find Jesus is giving instructions for them now during his earthly ministry, but also he's speaking to the future so that they will know how what it means to walk faithfully as an apostle and they can look back on this discourse. Now, how does that relate to us? Well, what we're going to find is that while we are not apostles, capital A, All of us have an apostolic dimension to our Christian lives where we are indeed the sent ones. And so as we're understanding what it means to be an apostle, capital A for these original apostles, we then deduce lessons that apply to us as we move forward in our mission to be ambassadors for Christ. And so that's the way we're going to structure this passage this week. We're gonna cover it in blocks. What does Jesus say about them? And then how does this apply to us? So I encourage you as your homework this week to read Matthew 10 in its entirety. Read it several times and note in there, what are things that Jesus is applying to the apostles then versus their future ministry? What are things that we can learn about their ministry that will apply to us now? It's gonna be a cool text to unpack together. Um, We need the Lord's help, so let's commit this week to him. Lord Jesus, we take our direction from you, your authority exercised through the apostles now given to us in your word. Lord, we're also humbly sent ones as well, and we want to be faithful to that mission. And so as we study this passage, help us understand what it means to walk faithfully as those sent by you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks everybody, great to be back with you. Looking forward to this week, see you tomorrow.